Yeah, it is definitely a feature, I think, of the training and it's definitely a feature of the culture and and the career that people have. That, that's really what you're training for. You're training for to be able to walk into any situation and and do what needs to be done as to the best of your ability, yeah. Kia ora. Welcome to Humans at Work. I'm Jules, your host. Thanks for joining me and our latest guest. And thanks for taking some time in your day to indulge your curiosity about other people and their humanness. If your thirst is unquenched after this, check out humansatwork.org. Now let's begin. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Humans at Work podcast. Today I'm here with Nina. I'm going to ask Nina to introduce herself, tell us what she does for a living and to tell us where is her happy place that she goes to either physically or in her mind when she needs to have some rest and respite. Nina. Oh, kia ora, Jules. So nice to be here with you today. Thank you very much for having me along. So yeah, oh gosh, I, my happy place. Um, first of all, I think it was. It's definitely got to be something to do with the ocean. I yeah, I definitely I like to be on the ocean. I don't do that as much in busy um, mum family life days. But um, certainly, if I can't be on the ocean, then then walking alongside it. Yeah, so just to introduce myself, I am a business psychologist, or uh, another term that's often used is. Uh, industrial organizational psychologist and it's really I just say to people I don't have a couch I don't do clinical psychology I don't do mental health as such take my hat off to people who do that kind of thing because I decided very early in my study years that that wasn't my thing into people's problems all day (laughs) I think the people who do that are very special people so yeah, business psychology or, or industrial psychology, organizational psychology, whatever you want to call it, it's really just about people at work, which I guess makes us a really good fit because it's sort of like, uh, it's very similar to your podcast title. And yeah, so I've had a career, biggest chunk of my career was in the Navy as a Navy psychologist, had a lot of amazing experiences there, um, did a few things beforehand. And since then, I've been focusing in on strategic thinking. And that's been my journey for the last sort of six or seven years now. And I've got a program, an eight-week program that I offer, and I'm just sort of getting ready. The next phase is to introduce a couple more Uh, offerings and things but yeah I just get really excited about the idea of um, helping people to think strategically in a world that is just doesn't set us up for it very easily it's not something that comes naturally to us as humans and it's not something that our world um, facilitates happening very easily Um, yeah so there's a lot more to that but I guess we'll get into all that (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've got lots and lots of questions, as you can imagine. My first question is, did you work in the Navy because you like being on the sea? (laughs) Oh, great question. Um, Yeah, I suppose I did in a way. I can clearly remember the um, marketing campaign that was running at the time when I applied and it talked about a life less ordinary. So if the person who came up with that is out there, well done, because it really stuck. Um, And that is really what I was after. At the time I was um, doing a little, I was, I'd finished my degree and I had qualified in a few psychometric assessment 
tools and I was doing a bit of contracting, uh, report writing, assessment centres, various just little things. And I was actually doing a whole heap of sport at the time um, on the water. Uh, rowing <laughs> was my big thing and um, surf rowing at that time I'd been through flat water and then and then um, open water and then I was I was doing surf rowing and I was sort of competing overseas and raising sponsorship and um, spending most of my time doing that and uh, not really wanting to get a real job so <laughs> um, I I, I had, thought, had, had thought though that I'd better get a real job and um, and I saw this advertisement but how much does it relate to the sea? I think I I saw the military as an opportunity to do something that would involve a bit of adventure and something different and not being chained to a desk all the time. Um, and challenge is a big one for me. But then I had to, of course, choose between the three services, Air Force, Army and Navy. And uh, it was just a no-brainer because of my love for the sea. Uh, and I was also in Auckland, so... There's, um, there's only one Navy base in, in Aotearoa, so that was it. Job done. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it's like in the Navy? Because I think a lot of people, they can they maybe imagine, they see films, um, they might know somebody who's been in, you know, one of the forces. Um, but how would you describe it? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's, it, it is definitely one of those things that has a certain set of... Um, ideas associated with it for people who haven't been there um, and it, it's definitely different I think my parents were a little horrified when I first said that I was going to join the Navy and I was 27 at the time I wasn't exactly a teenager um, but that, their impression because of just their generation um, was really that I was going to be raped and tattooed on the lower decks pretty much like that was you know it was just not a really positive um and not seen as a great place for a woman and and all of that so I think um that was just uh, that that was just an indication but I, you know what how that generation or how the navy or the military has been seen in the past but it, it is a very very different place now there's been a lot of work done on um, the culture and um, the, the respect that is um, expected for all people and behavior standards and of course you know defense will always be a reflection of society and there will always be those people who um, don't live up to those expectations but uh, if you ask me, it's it's not really any worse than than anywhere else. Um, I suppose one difference is that you take a whole bunch of people across section of society and put them in a tin can on the sea. Um, mm -hmm. Then you know the the pressures on people who are away from their families and things. So there's that aspect. But on the whole, it it was from a, from a work perspective, from a career perspective, it was one of the it was the best thing I ever did. It was. Um, huge learning curve as soon as you have done your basic training and you're in a uniform you're pretty much expected that you can get chucked in the deep end anywhere and you do get chucked in the deep end everywhere so um, massive learning curve huge range of work from a psychology point of view um, probably one of the biggest uh, groups of psychologists in working in one place or one organization in New Zealand so huge learning opportunities there and networking and um great just a great bunch of friends really so yeah it's it's a it's a brilliant place I, I could probably go on about that for a long time but I won't 
during COVID, I was the director of strategy for a time for the managed isolation quarantine service. Oh, really? In the public right. service. Yeah. And so I think many people in New Zealand saw footage of, you know, army soldiers outside MIQ facilities and, and maybe know less about the fact that there were a lot of people from across all forces who were in the the sort of um the back office and the management back office and management space doing a whole lot of work and I I guess for me it was my first experience of working alongside people who came from one of the the three forces and we had a real mixture of, of people there anyway private sector um, forces general public sector I would say my experience of people from all of the forces is this amazing ability to be dropped into something and you know just do their absolute best and I think that's a, a really admirable kind of quality and you know a lot of discipline but also a lot of humor but that ability to kind of be faced with a new challenge or a new task and just be very systematic and quietly just get on with it rather than you know, uh, being too dramatic about, you know, why have I been given this or this is new or this is really difficult. You know, it's just like, right, let's just get on with it, which mm. was amazing to work alongside. Mm. Yeah, it is definitely a feature, I think, of the training. And it's definitely a feature of the culture and, and the career that people have. That, that's really what you're training for. You're training for to be able to walk into any situation and and do what needs to be done as to the best of your ability. Yeah. So you've obviously left the Navy now, now that you're a, a business owner, entrepreneur, whatever we want to call it ourselves <laughs> these days. So what led you to decide to kind of leave that big institution and, and go on to the next thing? Yeah, it was a big decision. And I think for everybody who leaves, it is always a big decision. And, and the reason it's a big decision is that it is just so good being there. You just do have so many opportunities. And the people who stay 20, 30, 40 years always say that they said they would stay as long as they were having fun and as they were being challenged and enjoying what they were doing. And, and the reality is you can do a string of jobs for, for a long time and still have that and have a huge variety. But for me, as a specialist, it is a little different because you, you do have a narrower area. I do, you can do jobs outside of that area. That's not a problem at all. And I did one of those in defense recruiting. It was more of a management role. That's really where I got into the strategy piece. But I, I had my first baby and I went, and at the time I was the head of Navy psychology and I went back to work two days a week in a job share. And that's the other thing about Navy is that they're very flexible and, and able to, you know, will as far as as they're able to provide opportunities for flexible working and in that case it just happened there was someone to share the job with and it worked for her and it worked for me and so I did that for about 10 months but while I had been on maternity leave I had started to get interested in this area of strategic thinking and I had started to think oh I, I've got something to offer here as a psychologist like that's I've got something unique to add to this area uh, and I felt like maybe I should be pursuing this and, and work out a way that I can share this um, and turn it into a business. And so I had started to think about it, um, went back to work, found I couldn't do both and just found I just had this pull to do something different. So it was probably more of um, a pull factor than a push factor that had me moving on to the next thing. But it was it was a really tricky decision 
um, especially you know it's the people as well you have a lot of good friends and, and I do miss that aspect now working on my own <laughs> um yeah there's this term solopreneur and uh, I think sometimes you know that's a really good description for how you can feel mm. um you know that you're on your own that the battles are yours and you know there's some pros and cons because you know I run a couple of businesses myself and I love being my own boss and being able to kind of make the decisions and be creative as creative as I want to be without being within a kind of organizational box or you yeah, know yeah. whatever those constraints are but on the other hand when things don't go well or when there's some task to do that you really don't want to do you're the only person to do it is you um and that can be quite a lonely place yeah. I think you know but particularly when you know you've had that flash of inspiration and and passion and then you realize that it also takes a whole lot of hard work and discipline and and all of those things that of course it will take but you're on your own you haven't got you know work colleagues to grumble with uh, mm. or, you know other people sort of necessarily alongside you to to help where you're weak and they're strong and, and vice versa um, yeah yeah and it's just that fun too like when you've got a good group of people that you work with Oh, I just remember the banter in the Navy was just so amazing. <laughs> um, actually, someone, uh, Andy Longley, that I think you you talked to recently, he was um, one of my colleagues back then. Uh, yeah, and just you get together as a conference and there's, you know, 25 psychs all in one place. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, you just have to find other ways, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about um, your focus for your programs. I know, um, I think there's a quote of yours around strategy when you boil it all down is linking actions to goals, I believe something along those lines. Um, so, you know, how does that play into the ethos of what you do with your clients or on your programs? Mm, yeah, so... I guess coming from a psychology background, one of the things that I was got curious about and was interested in when I first, so when I was in defense recruiting and in that management role, I um, I had to develop a piece of strategy and I was really coming from the point of, I don't even know what strategy is, like I'm a psychologist, <laughs> where do I start? And, uh, and, but there was a lot of people around um, defense headquarters at that time, well, at any time, uh, that were very experienced and so I got a lot of help with answering that question but just the idea that the thing that got me curious about it was that every person I asked would tell me something different about what strategy is and I and I thought this strategic thinking thing seems to be something that everybody wants to be able to do but no one can tell me what it is like and I just found I just think I'm drawn to a challenge and so the the challenge of kind of being able to tame that was in a way that made sense for people was something that really um, interested me and uh, I started to think about what is it that requires strategic thinking from a from a person point of view from a psychology point of view and I started coming up with a few ideas around that and testing them on people um, just in sort of discussions or coaching or whatever it might be and I found very quickly that I needed a framework so I needed um, something so for example um, creativity is one of them you have to be able to think outside the box or outside your um, usual way of thinking there's times when we need to come up with ideas that are very new very different we need to change directions or whatever it might be um, but 
I couldn't talk to someone about that without having a framework for saying what actually is the strategic thinking thing that we need to be creative for. And so I started to develop um, just through my own reading and um, understanding the subject and, and sort of boiling it down into something digestible. I started, I came up with a strategic thinking process, uh, which is kind of how, what I use to define strategic thinking too, because I, strategic thinking is the process of thinking strategically, if that's a bit of a circular thing. Um, but what it, what that ended up with was to that, if I boiled that process right down, that's where I came to that quote of linking actions to goals, because ultimately, when we're thinking strategically, we are trying to achieve something. There's something we're trying to achieve. There's some important goal that we are moving towards. Um, and that's why we need to be thinking strategically, because we need to decide what to do, obviously, but all of none of it makes sense without a goal. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that makes sense. So, so it sounds to me that like um, what you've done is you have almost used your experience of trying to work out how do you leave the Navy and set up your business um, as your kind of experiment, if you like, for the offering that you also now have as a program. Um, you know, I can imagine you using that same thought process to determine how to set up your business, what the goals are, you know, what your values are in mm. terms of your own business. I probably did, but at the time I wouldn't have been that aware of it because it wasn't until later that I really started to put some words around it and, and put some things on paper. Uh, but now I certainly do all the time. Um, uh, anyone who's been following my blogs or anything would know that towards the end of last year, I got into a very overloaded with work um, situation and I sort of had a whole lot of work happen, come at once, um, both some con contracting I was doing on the side as well as my own programs and developing new things and all of that. Um, and I made a commitment um, for the following year to not do that again. And my two themes were balance and consolidation. And I decided I'd just basically cut everything else away except for my eight-week program. Um, decided I'm not focusing on that. I'm going to get this program right. I'm going to bring on some admin support, um, get the systems in place, get it running smoothly um, and, and get better at, at marketing it, I suppose, or explaining to other people what it's all about. And uh, as it turned out, that was an incredibly um, good decision, but I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but I was certainly thinking, what are my goals with, um, you know, my life as a whole? Uh, what am I trying to achieve? And it's certainly not to be having this huge pull between personal and work all the time and feeling exhausted and finishing the year, just kind of limping, staggering towards the end. Um, so, you know, that's just an example of how I use, um, how I was thinking strategically. I had to think what's really important for this coming year. Um, but yeah, as I said, as it turned out, I ended up with COVID and then long COVID. So um, from late February until now. So uh, as, as it turned out, if I hadn't, have, if I had gotten sick last year or if I hadn't have made those changes, it would have been a lot worse. But, you know, that's one of those things you can't see coming. And that's the thing about strategic thinking is there's, there's so many uncertainties and you just don't know.
That's right. That's absolutely right. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think when you break strategy down and you demystify it, a lot of people do think strategically quite often, yes, whether yes. that's at work or in their personal lives. They just don't label it as such. That's right. They don't have a framework or a model. And so they don't recognize their thought processes as being kind of quite systemic um, and, you know, and thoughtful in terms of you know what is the strategic goal that I want to achieve and am I am I being distracted you know a lot of people will go I really want to do x therefore I'm going to focus on you know abc which is kind of a strategic plan but they mm. don't think of it like that yeah um, the other thing I was going to reflect on is that you know one of the things about strategy I do a lot of strategy work with leaders and with organizations and I think there is this real um, misunderstanding of the value of strategy it doesn't give you all the answers it doesn't create uh, you know a document or an endpoint and you don't have to work at it because as you know you know things happen all the time curveballs happen all the time events are you know ever changing um, and your strategy has to enable you to flex with those things um, and redefine what you're going to do um, mm. while still keeping that sense of that that end goal. But I think organizations uh, have tended to get caught up in this idea that you do a strategy and that's your strategy for 10 years and you've written it down and therefore the strategic thinking is done. Now yeah. it's all about the execution. Yes, absolutely. I had a bit of an exchange on LinkedIn recently about that, actually. And it was somebody was sort of, yeah, but if your if your strategy isn't, you know, then your strategy wasn't good enough, they're saying. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine until something changes. <laughs> you can spend all the time you like on a strategy and then something changes. Um, absolutely. And I think your first point around um, people doing strategic thinking and not having a label for it or a framework that that is such a big thing um and that is really what people leave my program with often uh, is that confidence that they are now I know what I'm supposed to be doing and of course they've got the, the capability of doing it it was there already um all I've done is given them a, a tool and and one of the skills that I um, weave right through the program is something called metacognition so thinking about our thinking and the strategic thinking framework is a metacognitive tool because it is the thing that allows you to know what you're thinking about any one time and therefore communicate on the same level as well so a lot of people just get stuck in the actions loop talking about should we do this or should we do that um, well actually you've got to be able to shift up you've got to know when you're talking about your big picture and and that middle piece as well that jump from the big picture to what are we actually going to do is um, is so key but if you're not aware of all those different levels of thinking and um, and that then it's just it's just all lumped in together and it's so confusing so it really is that clarity of um, of knowing what it is that you are actually thinking about yeah, I mean, that's uh, that kind of metacognition concept is is so important in so many aspects of oh, life. Sure I do a lot of focus on decision making um, and, uh, you know, decision making practice. And it's not as though there's any right way to make decisions. But mm. I find that what a lot of people don't realize is that they uh, they rush into the decision making 
yeah. when they haven't really realized that they're actually making a decision, if that makes sense. So they yeah. don't pause for thought to go, is, you know, am I the right person to make this decision? Is this is this a decision that, uh, you know, that I can and should be making? How do I want to make this? Do I want to make it on gut instinct? You know, um, do I want to gather a whole lot of data and talk to a whole lot of people and get a, you know, get a whole, get, get a variety of views? Or do I want this to be a solo decision? And, you know, they don't consciously think about that practice. Um, they walk straight into the decision and then they walk straight into normally inaction, um, but because they think the decision itself is an action. And mm. so you've got two two things where, where I think if you have that process for framing the fact that you're in a decision making zone, you know, so how are you going to do it? Is it the right time? Are you in the right frame of mind? You know, all of those things. And it it. it doesn't need to take more than five or ten minutes but it's that five or ten minutes that's so important mm, yeah yeah it's absolutely right bang on that's exactly what I see all the time is and, and I think distinguishing between the the decision and the action um but I find also the the thinking in the decision if you know what I mean like it's almost like there's another step before that um yeah, I just finished a, an intake this morning with a, a group and it's, they're just, a couple of them are grappling with how do I actually even put this time aside to do this thinking? And then once I'm in that space, once I can get myself in that space, and this is a big deal, um, then I've got the space to do the thinking and start making the decision and then I can go and do something with it. So that's another distinction. It's interesting, isn't it? So the challenge of leadership in that space is quite complex, isn't it? Because there's a whole lot of focus on leaders being so many things, being visionary, being strategic, being detail focused and knowing exactly what's going on, even though they're supposed to be strategic, um, acting and being active and proactive, yet actually they also need to be enablers um, mm. and to kind of create the conditions. So, you know, I guess a lot of the people that come on your program are are kind of leaders already and and trying to refine their practice mm. um so how do you um sort of advise them in relation to i guess choosing out of all the things that they could be as a leader what are the things that they should focus on mm. yeah so I guess one thing I'm clear with people about is that my program, it's not a leadership program, but it's a program for leaders. Uh, but I've also had people on there who are not leaders, they don't have teams. Um, they are subject matter experts, uh, you know, senior subject matter experts or specialists in a certain area that might not have people reporting to them, but they do still have to show leadership in the organisation through their thinking and their contributions. Uh, and so I guess... Um, it, it is a very focused program. It's, it is about strategic thinking and it, it's not just about strategic thinking. It's about being a strategic thinker. And we do, but of course, you know, you can't isolate things because everything is connected. Um, and so we do place it in this context of leadership of, often or, or whatever their role might be. Uh, and, and so we have a lot of discussions about that sit on the on the fringe of what it is to be a strate strategic thinker and what it is to be a leader and how do you do that in the context of leadership and and one of those examples is that we we talk about articulating strategy because strategic thinking is no good if it just stays in your head <laughs> um 
And so we talk about articulating strategy and and how you can get clear on that in your head in order to communicate it and articulate it. And that's not just how do you write a strategy document, that's how do you have day-to-day conversations where you're being clear with people, you're leaving space for them to come up with their own solutions. Um, And I I just had a great example this morning of, of a guy who had thought through Um, an issue and then happened to walk in on his direct reports meeting with his team and heard him explaining um, the issue and it was one of those things that was sort of um, like a bit controversial they weren't quite sure if people were going to be okay with it but he happened to walk in and and hear him explaining it in a really similar way that he had just explained it to this um, leader and so and he'd modeled so he'd modeled it and this guy had gone off and kind of used the same um, approach and so it, you know as much as it is a strategic think development program um, it, you know you can't escape the leadership aspect of it uh, so and that's just one example so I know that you obviously you have a, psych- a psychologist background um, and uh, I'm sure you're aware that there's been there's been lots of talk over the last few years about the value of psychometric testing and uh, you know assessment centers what's your take on the value of a kind of I guess understanding individuals in terms of either assessing them for work opportunities or for them to understand more about themselves to step into that strategic thinking space or leadership or, or any other role mm. yeah it's um it is a big topic at the moment um I guess I I mean, I am a fan of assessment. I just think it, it's all—it's got its limitations, but it's always had its limitations. Uh, I, I think um, for development, I have no problem with it at all because I think you're in a context where you're learning. Um, you have an opportunity to have a little bit more um, objective information on on yourself and and to explore that. Um, in a selection setting, it's never been something that, as a psychologist, you would um, rely on 100% as your own only source of information because it's it's always flawed. It's just the nature of it. Um, it's an approximation. It gives you an approximation of re- of um, what's really there, and it gives you some clues and some and some maybe some red flags to explore and things like that. So, in a selection context, it's a very different uh, question, and I think you do have to be very careful about the tools that you use. Um, the quality of those tools, the the nature of those tools. Uh, The one that I use in my program is called the Cognitive Process Profile. I'm not sure if you've come across that one. I'm not sure if anybody else in New Zealand is using it actually, but it's a, um, it's a, um, what's it called? A South African uh, test provider that that does it, and it's very different to other assessments. It's a cognitive assessment, um, and we, you know, we know a lot about personality through assessments, and there's a long history of research there. Um, when we have we, the assessments give you a lot of nuanced, um, different information about personality and and separates it out into many factors. Whereas when it comes to cognition, we uh, we. There's not a lot of assessments out there that tell you more than the basic, um, very basic sort of, you know, abstract reasoning, um, verbal reasoning, mathematical reasoning, um, or general measures of of intelligence. And there's a few more things, but uh, this 
cognitive process profile actually looks at not just the answer you come to, but also how you get there. And that's why it's called cognitive process. And so, um, yeah, there's lots of reasons why it's a, a good assessment and a better assessment than, than many others, uh, in my view. Uh, but it's certainly been quite transformative, should say, um, for the people on my program, because it, it just gives them that little bit of um, awareness about some of those thinking processes that they're using you know we talked about metacognition it really is a tool to for people to realize um, am I a person who jumps quickly to an answer am I a person who needs to be very logical and analytical um, does creativity and curiosity come naturally to me or am I um, someone who prefers to um, do the, the you know think through things in, a, in the same way each time and uh, so yeah, that's been that's been quite helpful. So yeah, it's a bit of a you know and or uh, question. Uh, uh, sometimes they're good. I think you've got to be very careful with them though. Yeah, I'm, I was I'm going to ask you a question about your own assessment in a minute, but I just want to reflect years and years and years ago. I mean, oh, however many years, like twenty years ago, I did an assessment for a job, um, and the the sort of recruiting leader said to me, oh, you know, uh, that was all fine. Um, but there was one one kind of conclusion that we were fed by the, I don't know, the machine or the assessor or whatever, um, which was that you follow the rules um, as long as you, uh, <laughs> as long as you agree with the rules. Uh, and then when you don't agree with the rules, you, you know, you don't, uh, you don't follow the rules. Um, and, you know, at the time I was, I was quite intrigued by this, you know, because I thought, well, I'm quite a law, law abiding, um, person, you know, I've never knowingly at that time gone against kind of organizational rules or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, and it didn't stop me getting the job. Um, my reflection on that is, you know, 20 odd years later that it was completely accurate I was gonna say um, it's actually kind of a good thing right yeah yeah that's right and and I guess that's my point is that at the time it was a, it was a red flag mm. organization to just think did they still want to employ somebody who you know wasn't going to hard and fast follow every single rule mm. um, but for me it was a, you know it was a positive thing and I guess that would be my reflection is that it's about learning about yourself uh, or about candidates or your, t you know, your team or what have you. Um, but a lot of strengths can also be weaknesses and weaknesses can also be strengths. And so yeah, it's depending on the context. That's right. It's about the context. Um, so I guess my question to you is, have you ever been surprised by um, any of those tests that you've done on yourself or that have been done to you as part of your training or what have you? Oh, for myself? Um, well, I suppose when I when I did the, that CPP during my training on it, I was surprised to see that I very much profiled as a strategic thinker. Well, surprised and unsurprised, I suppose, like I'd been really interested in the topic, so it did make a lot of sense. But um, yeah, yeah, that, that sort of did surprise me. And, and then I've had surprises with other people doing it as well, where, you know, I've had some quite senior people who are very low on the, uh, you know, scoring, well, I said low, but on the operational end um, and just learning how they operate and how they get by. And they've obviously got, certain, they've still got a lot to to add, um, a value to add, but 
it can make um, a real difference to just how they operate and then and then the re them realizing that is pretty interesting as well but you know there's there's so many pros and cons it's like any scale on any assessment there's pros and cons at each end and um i think if you um yeah i think if you look if you asked when and had a conversation with my mum you'd probably find out that there's a few or my husband for that for that matter um that there's definitely a few cons to being a strategic thinker uh, you know like i i'm not good with details um and and i and i have shocking memory and i just get really focused and in, in, into something and i can forget the rest of the world when i'm in my thinking space um, and yeah, and process. I just oh, I can remember trying to learn all the um, steps in in the military and weapon training, and having to break a weapon down into parts and put it back together, and all of the procedures for um, firing on the range. And oh, just rope learning is just not my thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty interesting. That's that. You sound very like me. Um, you know, like I, I can do detail and I can do process. And in fact, I've developed a whole lot of operational processes, but I have to know the why. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, and if I don't, if there's not a good why, then my brain is always focused on the, the why rather than the, you know, the specific yes. detail yeah. in in front of me and so you know that's not necessarily I wouldn't necessarily see it's a weakness but I think it's one of those things that's really important for me to know so that when I'm going into a program or you know recruiting for my team I recruit people who are really really good at that and yes. they're not so good at finding the why you know so having those yes. kind of strengths all around in the in the team of people that you work with is so important and you Definitely. can't recruit for that or look for that or collaborate for that if you don't know you know the areas that maybe you have some blind spots in mm, absolutely and then of course you need that awareness too because then you've got to work with that person and they've got to work with you <laughs> and so you've got to each has got to know what you're bringing to the team and, and that that's valued, even though it's different to the other person. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that you have been, um, you know, on sort of forced rest because of uh, COVID and long COVID. And I don't have long COVID, but I did have a horrendous bout of COVID last year um, that left me feeling uh not myself for a while I have to say but I also know that your brain's been ticking over all of that time so what's next for you yeah that's yeah that's a very perceptive of you um my brain is always ticking over about what's next it's where my brain lives um I I've got this break coming up uh this is my last week at work and then I've got a, a good couple of months um two weeks completely off and then and then the rest of the time is going to be just a little bit of work here and there but no delivery work and I'm not doing it and take over that time for my program so uh and I'm just working on a few firming up a few sales for after that um I am I'm starting to get interest from executive teams uh and so at the moment I'm I've got um two potentially 
um, on the go. And so, and that's, and that's different to what I've done in the past. Previously, it's been sort of mid to senior level leaders, either I've done some public programs where it's people from different organizations and I've done some in-house programs, but it's people from different parts of the, the business, not a, not a whole intact team. So there's going to be a little bit of um, experimenting with that just to see how that goes. Um, and I'm, I'm 100% confident it's going to go great. It's just, I feel like it, for a team, there might be something more that we can add onto that in terms of how the team work together because the program at the moment is very much um, focused on individuals getting confident in the skill themselves and getting that um, personal insight. So there might be a, an extra piece or it might be a slightly remodeled um, offering, uh, but it will it will be the same content just kind of tweaked a little bit. So there's that. Um, and then in my head, I've also got um, an, a, next a next layer down offering as well, which is the um, people who are not necessarily in strategic roles, they might be team leaders um, also and uh, or, or sort of individuals as well. And just people who are having to make decisions on behalf of the organization, but they're not they're not senior leaders, um, but they just need they're sort of probably just taking their first step out of the operational tactical space where they're having to suddenly just think a little bit broader and just be aware that there is a bigger picture and that they do need to um, connect their work into it. Uh, and yeah, so I've got that forming up in my head. I've potentially got a client who wants to do, um, wants to sort of have that designed for themselves. So that might be a starting point and then, and then create something a bit more generic for anybody. Um, I, I only have five of these programs planned for next year. Um, I had six planned this year and I had to cancel two because of COVID. Um, so I've, I've only scheduled five for next year and um, it's potential that the conversations I'm going to be having over the next two to three months that they are actually already sold. And so I'm starting to toy with the idea of maybe bringing on someone else um, to facilitate some of my programs. Um, that is a big decision because it's my baby and um and I and I would need it to be someone who I could really um trust and but I would love to have a thinking partner so and and um there's lots more that I want to do to the content into the program um I want to get it onto a a platform that's more suited and creates um a bit more community engagement within the, the each cohort uh yeah so lots lots coming up <laughs> sounds like a lot um, yeah you've got some time off <laughs> before yeah and and look I, I'm very used to the fact that I can't keep up with all my ideas <laughs> it, that that's uh normal so I I I know that I have these ideas and I and I don't have any um visions of, of being able to do that within a, a few months it's just it, it happens when it happens that's what I've had to learn that's that's very that sounds very wise I have to mm -hmm. say um hey listen I wanted to say thank you very much I know we've been trying to plan this for a little while and and COVID has has in, interfered but we finally got there um, and you look like you're feeling great and your brain's obviously back uh, on full speed. I wouldn't um, say full, but it can be full for periods of time. <laughs> so I wanted to say thank you so much. It's been great, really interesting. And I'm sure lots of people will have uh, lots of questions. Um, uh, we will put information about your website and your program in the show notes. Um, so thank you very much.
Thank you, Jules. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks, as always, to the generosity of our delightful guests. The stories of how others have faced up to their challenges can help give all of us courage to keep going with our own. For more great episodes, blogs, learning packages, go to the humansatwork.org website.